Back in 2022, the state launched a community-based air monitoring initiative designed to more accurately capture the air quality in different corners of New York, particularly in environmentally disadvantaged areas. Now that state officials have some preliminary data, they're briefing New Yorkers on what they found, and we're going to go over some of the findings and what they might mean. To do that, we're joined on the Capitol Press Room by Adriana Espinoza, Deputy Commissioner for Equity and Justice at the State Department of Environmental Conservation. Welcome to the show, Adriana. Hey, nice to be here. And also with us is Margaret Lafar, the Assistant Director for the Division of Air Resources at the Department of Environmental Conservation. Thanks for joining us, Margaret. Thanks for having us. So prior to the start of this initiative, it's my understanding that the state has been doing air quality monitoring for decades. So how has this project been different from the type of monitoring the state's been engaged in in the past? So um, the monitoring that we do statewide on a regular basis meets a lot of different criteria. EPA actually sets out criteria for how to monitor each pollutant in a regulatory setting and, and even has requirements for where those monitors need to be cited. That monitoring undergoes a lot of QAQC, and so we have a lot of confidence in that data. What this study is doing is using sensors in a vehicle and driving across study areas. So our monitors are stationary. This monitoring is um, moving all the time. So we're not getting a continuous measurement in any one place. But what that does is after the data is collected and analyzed, we do get to take a look at really hyperlocal way across an entire community so that we can see where there are differences in the concentrations of pollutants across the study area. And really, the CLCPA required us to do this monitoring to identify sources of air pollution that are causing those disproportionate air burdens in disadvantaged communities. So it gives us an opportunity to get measurement, a lot of measurements that we wouldn't necessarily be able to do across such a wide geographic area. And what pollutants are you looking for exactly? In this initiative, we are measuring particulate matter, PM 2.5, ozone, NO2, nitrogen dioxide, nitrogen oxide, carbon monoxide, carbon dioxide, and methane, ethane, volatile organic compounds, TVOC, uh, we call that, and um, some limited measurements of toxics. And is that list based on expected pollutants that you think you might find in some of these areas? Or is that a catch-all that kind of represents a a pretty inclusive list? So that's a a mix of pollutants that are both greenhouse gas pollutants and then other, some of the other pollutants are uh, more specific and uh, related to things that we look at on a regulatory basis to compare to health-based standards. In combination, some of these pollutants can help us identify sources. Um, Again, that's what we're trying to accomplish with this project. So we can 
combine a few of these pollutants into indices to help us uh, really identify whether a source has a diesel signal or whether it might be car traffic or home heating oil. There, there are certain things that we can do to combine some of these pollutants together to really help us identify what sources are contributing to air quality impacts in a certain community. Well, I'm glad you mentioned the sourcing issue, because when we talked about this initiative, when it was getting ready to roll out with New York State Department of Environmental Conservation Commissioner Basil Sagos, he talked about how this is data that is designed to be utilized, designed to figure out where there might be a leaky gas thing, where there might be vehicle emissions, where there might be other sources of pollution. So at this point, based on the preliminary data that you have, are you able to begin to identify the sources of contaminants or are you still in the stage of where you're just assessing the, the scope and amount of pollutants in these specific areas? We're almost done collecting all the data. It's going to take us a little bit of time to, to validate that data, have it go through its QAQC. Our contractor will also do some modeling of that data to come up with annual averages on a block by block level. And then our team here at DEC is really picking this data apart and trying to come up with those indicator tools that will help us identify sources. What I would say in general is what we're seeing is a a very large signal from mobile sources. So things like cars, trucks, construction equipment, things like that. And, you know, that's not completely surprising. A lot of these disadvantaged communities are in areas where there is a lot of heavy traffic. And so what is highlighted through this monitoring is really intersections that are heavily trafficked, areas where on highways that are seeing heavy traffic, especially heavy truck traffic. And has the data that you've been collecting so far prompted you to reevaluate in any way how you collect data, maybe where you're sending these Toyota Priuses that are driving all around or when you send them out? Has there been any sort of rejiggering of those efforts? The scheduling and and mapping out of where the cars will actually drive and and collect measurements on any given day is handled through our our contractor. Overall, this project has given us some valuable insight to what this type of monitoring can provide for us. It can also be helpful to identify areas that might need further follow-up later on. Looking at mobile monitoring as one of our tools, um, but it certainly does not replace our regulatory monitoring network. And I, I think it confirms what our regulatory monitoring network is saying on a, on a regional scale. And this gives us information on a really refined geographic scale. So we're getting that block by block information. Well, well, any concerns that the Canadian wildfires during the summer will skew your results at all, since they seem to contaminate all of New York's air, at least briefly? Absolutely. That is a concern. We're going to remove that data from the annual analysis. Mm. 
because we don't want to bias those annual numbers and which would result in masking any of the local sources. So that data set certainly is valuable to study on its own during the wildfires, but we don't want to bias the results of this initiative. The wildfire certainly was a unique situation. Well, right now, DEC is in the process of holding community meetings where they're sharing progress of some of this statewide community air monitoring initiative with the people whose air is being monitored. So at this point, what kind of information are you sharing and what do you hope to get across at these local updates? One thing that's really important for DEC was to be out in the community early and often, even before the monitoring actually started. We started to meet with folks to understand what concerns they had about air quality, what they thought were the best study boundary areas. We showed them, here's what our data suggests are the most air burdened communities in New York. How does this track with what you're experiencing on the ground. And we started from there and then have met every few months since then over a year. And even though this data is preliminary and needs to be quality assured and quality controlled before it becomes final, we wanted to involve neighbors in sort of understanding and and analyzing this data with us really in real time as it's coming in. We've been having these meetings every few months just to give them a sense of what is this quarter worth of preliminary data look like? What are we seeing? And we sort of learn from each other as as we go. And so that's the, the process we've undertaken so far. And once the data and the study is final, we'll switch that engagement a little bit to focus on What are the mitigation strategies? What are your community priorities for mitigating the impacts that maybe we found from the study? And are you finding that community members are engaged in these updates? Or is it the case that when you fire up these WebExes, there's some state officials there and maybe a reporter, but not many other people? Communities really across the state, especially disadvantaged communities, have been engaged on air quality issues even before this study happened. Uh, I know of several really interesting citizen science grassroots efforts for mobile air quality monitoring happening. There is a general interest in this issue already. After the wildfire impacts that we all experienced together, I think there's an even bigger interest in understanding air quality and how it impacts us day to day. So We definitely have had some interest in our study in particular, and we have learned a lot and been able to have really good conversations across the state on this program. And what is the long-term plans for this community air monitoring initiative? Is this something that has an end date, or is this going to continue indefinitely? So the study has an end date, but the Climate Act requires us to do this air monitoring in four communities. Uh, The governor expanded that and and for us to be able to to launch this program in, in 10 disadvantaged communities across the state. And part of the reason is, is for us to understand scientifically what are the most overburdened communities with air pollution in order for us to be data-driven in our climate action in New York State. Climate Act requires us to prioritize disadvantaged communities 
in reducing emissions and, and co-pollutants. And we want to make sure that we do so in a way that it's both equitable and data-driven. And so having the data from, from the study can really help us understand as a state how to make the best decisions about addressing air quality issues through our, our programs and initiatives and, and investments from the Bond Act and beyond. Well, yeah, in terms of responding to this data, how much latitude does the state have already in terms of its regulatory authority to respond? And what, if any, action would you potentially need from the legislature to ensure that you're utilizing this data in a meaningful way? Responding to this data and and coming up with some of the solutions will take more than just DEC, absolutely. Not sure that we will need legislative action, but some of the actions that can take place are more recommendations for prioritization of spending to help mitigate exposure to air pollutants and also some controls or spending to electrify city buses or school buses in a certain area. Those are types of things where we can reduce those emissions right in that community based on the information that we're seeing in the data would not require any kind of legislative action, but would help us really focus those funds that we have in areas that it will do the most good. We'll need partnership across state agencies and authorities and at the local level as well. We'll definitely need partnership as we move forward to the next phase of this work. Well, we're going to have to leave it there then. Uh, We've been speaking with Adriana Espinoza, Deputy Commissioner for Equity and Justice at the State Department of Environmental Conservation. Thank you so much, Adriana. Thank you. And we've also been hearing from Margaret Lafar, the Assistant Director for the Division of Air Resources at the State Department of Environmental Conservation. Thank you, Margaret. Thank you. Support for the Capitol Press Room provided by the New York State AFL-CIO, a federation of 3,000 unions fighting for working people by keeping New York State union strong. Visit unionstrongny.org for more information. Join us again for Capitol Press Room a production of WCNY Connected, Syracuse.